I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Cross. And welcome to The Back Peg, episode eight, I think it is, Nathan. It certainly is. And it's a happy episode for me on this side of the call, uh, following the cup success of the weekend. I'm happy nonetheless. <laughs> uh, commiserations, Laz. I'm going to blurt out what happened on Sunday, on Monday morning our time and just, you know, put it past us and let's just move on. <laughs> let's said the better. Although that won't make oh. for great that won't make for great content, I can see. It won't, but I'd also contend that it's not just a case of wrap it up, put it in a box and never speak of it again. The way I look at it, it's simply a, a stepping stone. It's a, a, a sign of how far the club has come over the last 12 months. You compare they, where they were now to where they were a year ago, and it's night and day and building blocks, I suppose. Very true. No, very true. Look, in the grand scheme of things, um, even you know with a sports administrator hat on, I am very pleased with so far how the season has progressed and from a Newcastle United perspective. And hopefully, um, you know, like you said, Nathan, there, it's a stepping stone. Um, you know, it's it's a very interesting point in case, Newcastle United. It's been a, a rise that has been unexpected as far as the level that it's hit so far. They're still fifth in the uh, EPL. And look, I'll take that right now. If the season were to end today, be very happy with it. Nonetheless, if we can push on for more, let's push on for more. Yeah, I do completely agree with you on that front that it's been a fantastic season for Newcastle no matter what happens from here on out. And I think if someone offered to you at the start of the season, fifth and a final, you'd definitely take it. 100%. And maybe you can turn this little bit of a form dip into a resurgence and uh, take that fourth spot back off Tottenham. But even if you do continue in the current manner and finish around sixth or maybe seventh or so, then European football is a fantastic achievement nonetheless. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, let's just wait and see how the rest of this season plays out. But um, there were a couple of interesting matches uh, in world football this weekend that just gone. We're a bit early this week, but that's okay. That's for logistical reasons. Yes. um, The Madrid derby (laughs) in La Liga. That was of interest, mm-hmm. and uh, glad to get a point out of that, even though it was at the Bernabeu. Yeah, I mean, it's not over boss. yet. The season is not yeah. over. Yet. Seven yeah, points I behind. Mean, There's seven points behind. Fifteen matches to go. Long way to go. It's a long way to go. But you got to start reeling them in. Oh yeah, look, that'll happen all in time. Especially now that uh, that mob is missing a, a Polish striker for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, you're right there, and I think that. Um, I think that they will be reeled in slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. We also uh-huh. had we also had uh, Union Berlin and Bayern Munich over the weekend too in the Bundesliga. Oh, man against boys at the end of it, really, isn't it? Yep. Bayern Munich showing everyone what they're made of and why they've won the Bundesliga and why they're the dominant force. And Union Berlin, the big story in Germany this season. And look, I can pretty much repeat what I said about Newcastle. They're having a great season regardless if they end up winning the Bundesliga or not, they can go on a bit of a slide, perhaps finish fourth, and it'll still be a great season for them. Mm. I think they're just happy to finish above Hertha. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, and still in Europe as well. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And uh, MLS uh, El Trafico got postponed. <laughs> I love the name. I so love the I. name. I think that's the best El- Derby name, actually. <laughs> uh, is it a reference to uh, vehicles on the road, or is it... Uh, Oh, trafficking of a, of a different kind. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, if you've ever, ever been to LA, I think uh, you'll think that the name is apt. Nothing suits that city better than <laughs> L- El Trafico, that's for sure. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, 
Yes, it was the start of the MLS this weekend, and there's, there's a good business case here with the MLS this season because they have a new broadcast rights still with Apple TV. They do. Big crowds too over the weekend. Big crowds. Atlanta cracked 67,000. Charlotte had a huge crowd again. So it's on the up and up in in the uh, land of the Star Spangled Banner. certainly is. And we'll talk a little bit more about the TV deal, perhaps in what caught my eye. But Mm -hmm. it it looks like it's going to be a good season for American soccer and all gearing up for for, the World Cup 26, of course. Yes, uh, very true. Very true. And we've got the Turin Derby as well this week. Oof. Which we'll know the result of if you've heard this podcast because we're recording on Tuesday night uh, late. So, uh, and that's uh, being played Wednesday morning. Ah, so yes, you'll definitely know the, the result of that one if, uh, by the time you listen to this show. But Turin Derby. Well, a lot of big games happening at the moment. On the, mm. on the weekend coming up, we got Manchester United against Liverpool. Um, probably the less said about Tottenham Chelsea last weekend, the better. Yep. Jeez, Tottenham is shit. Oh, and Chelsea Sorry. are worse. <laughs> and Chelsea are worse too, but they're boring to watch, really. They are horrible. I'm sorry, Spurs, but yeah. there's no team I'd rather watch least. There's no team I'd rather watch less in the league than Tottenham at the moment. And yeah, yeah. It looks like the manager wants out. It looks like the players don't really like each other the way they're playing, but hey, all these things that are perceived to be going by the wayside, they're yeah. still fourth and look, they're having a decent season. Oh. I'm going to cop it from a Spurs friend of mine. Hello, Nectar. But um, yes, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. They're terrible to watch. They are terrible to watch. But uh, obviously, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Spurs fan, and I yearn for the days of Pochettino. I think Spurs fans do. Mm. But they yeah. were so good to watch. Like, what was it coming up to four or five years now? Yeah. But they were the they were the best team in the league to watch. No, very true. Them. Very true. Now they're the worst. Yeah, the mm. uh, Paddy Power actually uh, put out a, a post, which was quite funny. Uh, which was a effectively it's a meme now, I guess, but um, it's uh, Spurs' greatest highlights, like a, a museum for Spurs fans to go to, which uh, highlights all, all of Arsenal's failings because there's not many successes that Spurs have. <laughs> so it's really oh. good. and the Spurs moments that are really good are in a toilet. Yes, yes, uh, I think that's a bit of copium. For the Tottenham supporters at the moment, yeah. particularly yeah. what how good Arsenal are doing it now. Yes. <sighs> yes. So I'll tell you yeah. what, last yeah. weekend of the Premier League, it was a bit of a snooze fest, wasn't it? All the games. Yeah, I'd rather not talk about the Premier League because I, I thought it was really ordinary. Yeah. Like heading into the weekend, I thought it was a pretty good run run, run of fixtures. Like oh. Everson Villa looks promising. Leicester have turned a bit of a corner and maybe they can pose a threat to Arsenal. But it's just oh, particularly Saturday. I suppose you can throw Tottenham Chelsea in there too, but it certainly was a bit of a fizzer of a weekend. So the, the best game played was the League Cup final, the I Scottish thought. League Cup final. Quality of football, yeah. Well, Ange, love you, Ange. Um, yep. bring, another you trophy know, bring, in the bank. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and re- retaining the League Cup and uh, Kyogo doing the business again. It was him twelve months ago in the final of the League Cup, and he's delivered the trophy again. Yeah, so. More success for Ange Postacoglu on the international stage. How long do we see Ange hanging around at Celtic? And I don't this season. Partic- He'll be there for this season. This season? Do you see him moving on in the summer, in the no. European summer? No, I, I, I even think he'll be there next season. Mm-hmm. Love to get him on the pod. I think it'd be awesome to have a chat to him. Oh, wouldn't it be fantastic? Yeah. Ange, if you're listening, 
or anyone that knows Ange, <laughs> open invitation. Anytime you, you want to talk about what you're doing at Celtic and uh, your international um, journey so far, and hey, your come come on here and talk about South Melbourne for half an hour. Yeah, and um, and how you're feeling and what your feelings are in Australian football. So, open invitation to Ange Postecoglou anytime. Love to have you on. Love to have any manager on. Really, I think it would be awesome. Mm, yes, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Open invitation to anybody who wants to come on and have a chat on the back peg. <laughs> That's right. Hey, door's or, not closed or, to many or any former manager. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Anyone who works in the game will will be happy to have them on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Had some gr- really good food, feedback with the Adam Peacock podcast, which is uh, oh, yes. good. So thanks for the feedback, everyone. Absolutely wonderful, and I'm glad it's been received as well mm. uh, by you guys as it was for us to be on the call with Adam. Mm. And we'll uh, endeavour to get uh, more people on locally to discuss the Australian game. But let's move on. Should we move on to what caught our eye this week? Yeah, go on, Laz. What caught your eye this week? Well, like we said, El Trafico was cancelled due to inclement weather, and it's being played at the Rose Bowl. So, which oh is, wow, yeah. Yep. So that just goes to show how far the MLS has gone, right? So that's know, actually interesting in and of itself, playing the game mm-hmm. at the Rose Bowl because LAFC and the Ga- and Galaxy they have their own exactly. specific stadiums. Just stole my thunder. and. Mm-hmm. Ah, sorry. No, don't apologize. <laughs> and they're, they're moving the game to a massive stadium. Because <laughs> they expect over 70,000 people. I mean, the Rose Bowl mm. can fit 90. Wow. Right? Wow. And they'll, and they'll crack 70,000 at least, which is. Do you think that's something they should be doing here once the game gets a bit more momentum? Move the Sydney Derby to Homebush? Well, they've done it. Before. It's effectively the same thing. No, yeah, but they've done it before. It's just a reflection of where the game is at the moment. Mm. And well, not necessarily the game, the A League, you know. And we discuss. And one thing that we can see, I think, from the success of the MLS is so far is they've obviously engaged with their local communities, right? And you don't have the Euro snobbery that we have here. So they're they're. I maintain that they're a pointing case for Australian football to go and see what they're doing because they are the market that's probably the most similar in in variety of sports and they appear to be very well run doesn't say that they're going to get everything right not every organization is going to get it right we can see from the EPL that they're not going to get it right but you know I, I think that this is probably the MLS is the best standard practice that we can actually try and uh, emulate yeah uh, you're quite right to mention the competition for sport for eyes both in football and non-football and it is a very good thing for us to try and look at and try and emulate down here. Yes, th- certain things we're not going to be able to replicate, and a lot of that is down to population, but there are so many things that we can implement that would be a significant benefit to the game. You mentioned that both LA clubs have tapped into their local communities. It seems obvious to me that they have looked at the demographics of the people who support the club or could support the club and tried to lean into that. You could rattle off a whole host of players from Mexico that have played for both clubs, and that's just endeared itself to more supporters. And the likes of Chicharito for LA Galaxy and Carlos Vela for LAFC, amongst many others, that's something that the A League needs to be doing more often as well. Yeah, we've got to get um, we've, we've got to get international players of a certain standard and caliber. They don't need to be the top shelf. I mean, but there needs to be a name factor to it, 
or a name recognition factor to it. So, um, you know, and obviously, given that we're English speaking, right, the the tendency will be to go to the to the EPL Scotland for that matter. But if we don't need to, you know, to necessarily go to England all the time. Um, you know, Australia offers a great lifestyle choice for people. So does the United States for that matter. So there's no doubt that we're competing against the MLS. Uh, if we're doing that, though, um, perhaps we can also look at giving younger players more opportunities here. And the mix has got to be somewhere in between with a bit of experience and uh, more players with a younger, you know, of a younger ilk, given more opportunities. And let's see how these players develop. We need to accept the fact that we are a developmental league. Nothing's going to change that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to see the visa spots in Australia be used more in a, in a diverse manner, purely in terms of the positions on the pitch, because correct, pretty much every single team in, in, in the A-League has a foreign striker and another foreign creative player. What does that tell you, though? I think that tells you that there's more marketing p- potential in an attacking player, because we all know that goals create moments and create highlights. Sure. And if you have a, a shiny foreign butte striker creating those moments, then it is more endearing to getting more people interested in your football club. But also, to me, it shows there's not as much faith in young Australian players in an attacking sense. That's what I think. That's what I think. But also, I'd like to see some Asian players come to Australia and try their ways. How many Asian players are in the A-League at the moment? I can, off the top of my head, I can only think of Ibasuki at Adelaide. I think you're right. I, I, without having gone through the, the list recently, I think, and just going off what I've seen on Paramount Plus and um, and 10, that's all I can recall. Which, like, I'll call it out, it's a disgrace. It's our confederation. We're trying to get closer to the other leagues in Europe, but we should be trying to get closer to the other leagues in Asia. The J-League is a level far and beyond Australian football in its current state. I think the J-League is the best league in Asia. I think the J-League is the best league in the world outside Europe. That's a big call. That is a I'm big call. It. No, I'm making a, it. That is a big call. I'm making it. Yes, you might throw Mexico at me. Mm. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure there are South American leagues that have got something to argue about that. And possibly Maybe. the itself. Maybe. Well, well, for mine, for mine, it is Japan. And they're, they're certainly in, in, and they're in the conversation for that title. Whether or not they come in first is a, a separate debate. But mm. surely there's players in the J-League that now they can go and snap up and bring down here but it's more than just japan it's also the k-league and and the rest of the rest of asia well we've seen the success that the japanese players have in in the uk mm. they've, they've taken it like ducks to water i think the the most obvious example is the the, the main striker for the Socceroos playing in the second division in japan mm. if our main striker is only good enough for the second division in japan let's go and sign some of the other players that are in the j league that are a step up 100 percent do you think we need to work on the quality of striking, though? Oh, obviously, I think so. Obviously, we do. I think so. Mm. I think so. I think the current system is too much leading into things like possession play and patterns of play rather than just out-and-out attacking instincts. And I think Australian football produces too many midfielders. Yes. No, I agree with that. And that's a symptom of the, the, the curriculum? No, yes, the infamous curriculum. Yes, the wonderful curriculum. That's a, a, certainly a, a word that... I don't like bringing it up, but mm-hmm. I think that is a symptom of where Australian football's been and the the overarching ideology surrounding development that there is too many midfielders being produced and not enough attacking players, not enough fast players, tricky players, the ones that would be starting up front for A-League teams to go back five minutes. And Well, 
something that you've uh, touched on there is that all coaches that have gone through the youth system are obviously trying to replicate what the so-called curriculum is, right? Now, where the issues are is that we haven't we haven't allowed or those coaches won't allow their players to play freely. They want them to play in certain ways and they want the coaches, you know, theory to actually be duplicated on the pitch. Where's the individual flair and brilliance being encouraged? And where's the the back? You say of individual player? brilliance. Well, well where's saying, Ned Zellich? A hundred percent. Have you seen a player like Ned Zellich for a while? No, no. There you go. No. I just realized the, the pun now, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ned, if you want to join, join. No problem. <laughs> um, but the fact is, right, that the coaches obviously want to protect their, their role and want to protect their um, their position, and I get that. But it is critical for the youth players to actually be allowed to make mistakes and not feel discouraged by it and not get chastised about it. It's that simple, and it's uh, and unfortunately in Australia it has been a, a results-driven business because of the promotion and relegation in youth football, right? Whilst you don't have that in Europe, if we're going to use Europe as a model, you have, um, you you do have uh, promotion and relegation, not in that, in not in the straight sense, but yes, there are divisions in in the leagues. They're more topical, they're, like they're more. Um, they are more regional leagues, I should say. And it also is based way. off the quality of your academy as well, rather than just Correct. one particular age group, because that skews everything massively. If you've got one particular set of kids that are coming through yeah. and they get each age group promoted and the next batch isn't quite as good, that next group is going to get smacked around a little bit. And mm. that's not really conducive to developing young players. And I believe it is in the UK, they don't really publicise the names and results of any of the teams until they get to 18s level. Yes, you might have winners and losers on the day, but results don't matter until you're in 18s. Oh, that's right. Look, you will see in Spain, you will see the uh, academy sides being broadcast on TV, right? And that definitely has a result there as far as, hey, you know, players are obviously, you know, to keep an eye on. But the result itself and who wins the tournament or whatever the case is, it's not really that lauded, right? Except by the club that actually is the most successful. Right? Which it often is Real Madrid. <laughs> Correct. Right. So, you know, you normally see and but so, you know, they've and they obviously use those future La Liga uh series of matches to show off the talent that is in their academy. Right. And they need content because don't forget that they've got TV channels over there, you know, the clubs have their own TV channels and all that kind of stuff. So they do need that content on there. However, that is not the primary purpose of it. The primary purpose is to actually develop these players. Because at the end of the day, if you have a, a really good team of youngsters coming through, if you get one player who makes it into your first team, you've done stupendously well. Correct. If an, if an academy brings through one first-team player every year, that's the best academy in world football. Yeah. So for the vast majority of the players that are coming through, playing 14s, 15s, 16s, 18s, 21s, Pretty much all of them aren't going to make it at that club. Yeah, they'll pretty much end up in Division 4. Yeah, and then they can mm. rebuild and mm. maybe they eventually get back up to the top flight. Correct. So all this talk about results, it doesn't mean anything whatsoever. Nothing at all. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, you know, the question is, is what are we doing here as far as from an Australian perspective? And 
I think where what we do need to watch. So when we look at the professional game, I think the I think MLS is something for us to to look into, no doubt. Right, but I'm also very curious to see what it is they're doing at an academy level because I, I, something tells me that they're actually doing a very good job on that as well on that front too. Having looked into. Um, Mm. And they have a draft system, I'm pretty sure, as is a custom in American sports. And uh, all the college graduates well, go yeah. through and come up to a senior team. It's a very different system to anything else we see in football. It is because don't forget also that these clubs are actually, have, these MLS clubs have got academies and then their players are going to college. Mm. So, you know, and then we go, you know, into a draft See, see, that's a good benefit as well because you're you're you are developing smart players. And yes, academies around the world all have different education programs to to give them a potential career away from football if it doesn't work out. But nothing like the American it, college system. No, yeah, exactly. And there's so much to learn from American sports to implement down here. This is more than this is across all the codes as well, not just the A League. But we'll we'll stick on topic. And Ooh. there's a lot to be learned from the MLS. And there's other parallels to draw with uh, the Apple TV deal. Yes. Now, I know you're very interested in this deal, so am I. Mm. But maybe we should, you know, initiate those that aren't familiar with what's transpired here because it, it is a, a model worth uh, looking into. There's no doubt about that. It's fascinating, actually. Absolutely. It's a new deal for this brand new season for MLS, which, if you didn't know, kicked off last weekend. And it's a 10-year deal. An exclusive deal worldwide with Apple TV, and the the financials are that the MLS are going to receive at least two hundred and fifty million US dollars a season, yeah, ten years, and it's very interesting. I think we can draw a lot of parallels to the current A League broadcast deal with Paramount. That can we? I think in style, obviously not in substance, okay, but in style we certainly can, okay. In that it is because the MLS because MLS used to be on things like ESPN, oh, correct. And, and more diverse platforms mm. Mm. In, in a sporting sense where 100%. you could watch the NBA and then you've also got the the MLS on there as well. Yeah. Similar to what the A-League had with Foxtel. Yes. Rugby league to A-League, mm. cricket, whatever. Mm. Now the MLS has moved to its own platform with Apple TV where there's very limited other sporting content on there. At the moment, yeah. At the, As it stands right now, mm. similar to the A-League with Paramount+. Plus. The only limited- thing- the only thing I think, Nathan, is uh, with regards to Apple TV is that uh, Major League Baseball's on uh, Apple TV as well. Okay, fair enough then. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but it's very much an exclusive platform. Mm. It's not conducive to people just flicking over and watching it. You have to actually go out and want to watch MLS mm-hmm. to watch a game. You're not just going to stumble across it. You're not going to, oh, that's on. I might as well chuck that on 100%. for a little bit while I'm waiting for something else. Yep. This is a very similar situation to here with the A-League. No one stumbles across the A-League anymore, generally speaking. If you if you want to watch a game, you have to go out and actively want to watch the match. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't think MLS is going to have the same sort of initial struggles as we've had down here with Paramount Plus, but I think there is a lot of parallels here, and it is something that it's very interesting to see where it goes. How much growth is there in the game? How much is it going to be prohibitive of growth as well? Because for me, prior to this season, prior to the New Deal, when here the MLS was on ESPN or being sport uh-huh. on Foxtel, uh-huh. at times I would just chuck it on uh-huh. and watch a game for 20 minutes or so, as I was saying. Yep. Now, where you have to go out and spend money for a season pass, you have to have Apple TV Plus and then also pay for the MLS package, uh-huh. I'm not going to go out and buy 
the season pass for the MLS. I don't know about you, but I think they've lost a lot of... I, I haven't bought it yet. I haven't bought it yet. And you're right, as far as it was pretty accessible. Uh, you knew that you could watch a, a game of MLS uh, when it was on KO or whatever it was, right? Um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see where this where this ends up. We know that it's a 10-year deal, right? And obviously, the US appetite for it must be huge because that's got to be the driving factor. That market it's a big gamble to, from Apple. Yeah, that market has to be the the driver for this and the acceptance of um, of Major League Soccer in in that market. The fam the, the the attendances would suggest that it's on the up and up, prima facie. Absolutely, and you see more and more clubs being added to the competition fairly regularly. We've had teams in Austin and teams in St Louis pop up in recent seasons. Yep. And yeah, that's just right. further and further expansion. I think we're up to what thirty clubs. Thirty-one. I think, now. I think thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yep. And there's no sign of them slowing down. And I saw this week they're also saying the R word. Are they really? I haven't seen that. Mm, relegation, I'll say. Yeah. Just just before anyone else gets the wrong idea. <laughs> I don't know another R word, but okay. <laughs> Neither do I. But I'll put that but, out there anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah. See, that would be interesting. And look, there's. The U.S. League as well, the United States League, has been promoted really well and is starting to get a profile. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're actually going to go down that path. You know, they can re- they recognize that's their point of differentiation. Aside from the actual change in demographics in the United States, right, which is a huge driver for it, um, the fact that they can actually differentiate themselves from other sports with regards to promotion relegation, it will be interesting to see how that's received in the, in the United States sports market. Um, yeah, uh, that's fascinating, actually. Particularly as well, it's the same scenario here. For, ex- for instance, in Australia, if Brisbane get relegated, the A-League would lose the entire Queensland market until they got promoted again. It's a similar scenario in the States, where if you lost Atlanta, the entire state of Georgia is not interested in MLS anymore. Oh. It, it'd be very fascinating. And I would imagine it would be a closed shop promotion relegation, just two divisions, MLS 1, MLS 2. Yeah, sure. You know, I don't think they would open it up to the, the leagues below. Well, don't forget that the MLS are also doing the MLS next, mm. which is effectively, I guess, a, a second division as well. So there's definitely something brewing in that at the moment. Fascinating. Fascinating indeed. And you know, I wonder, is this a case where we're up to 31 teams, as you say, in the top flight? I think maybe they get up to 40 and then perhaps they announce a split. Bottom 20 teams, you're in the second division now? No, look, if anything, I, I think initially they'll stick to the east-west divisions. Because 31's a bit ridiculous, isn't it, for one league? Yeah, but don't, don't, don't forget that, that they have that conference system there as well, right? Mm, okay. Even still. So you will, you'll find that you'll find that they don't play against all those teams. They should. It'd be great to see. Not twice, not twice home and away. What I'm advocating there is, look, if um, and perhaps they go along NFL lines, right, where they go a conference. What they might do is split up a conference into into two. What about a Swiss style table, like we're getting getting in the Champions League? <laughs> maybe, maybe. But what what I what I would you know suggest would be perhaps they split um, conferences into two. You play those home and away. Right, and then go and play every other opponent. Right, so you might end up with you know just a quick uh, quick maths. You've got fifteen and fifteen, 
Okay, you might have five in your conference, so there's eight home and away games, regulars, like, you know, as far as that's concerned. And then you've got another 23 games, so that's a 30-game season, which isn't bad. No, that's a good length. Yeah, it's, it isn't bad. So maybe they're, they're doing something like that. Because then you got MLS Cup as well, and they have a, have a playoff series. Well, that's right, because they do yeah. have the final. Yeah, they do have that playoff series. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. so we'll see what um, how the MLS goes this season. It's an interesting point in case. And the fact that, you know, that Apple have decided to throw $2.5 billion into it over 10 years is uh, is fascinating. That's as much as uh, Chelsea went for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if you're Apple, would you rather buy Chelsea or uh, have that significant investment into MLS? Or if you're Elon Musk. Yeah. What what, what do you think is better value for money? Ooh, MLS. Do you think so? Yeah. Size of the market. Mm-hmm. True, and you've got diverse you've got diversification in that. Is does the MLS have a bigger market than Chelsea? Yes, worldwide. No, <laughs> in the United States, it does. <laughs> yes, yeah. but not not worldwide. But oh, mm. well, okay. Hang on, let's think about this for a second. Let's sound it out. If how popular do you think Chelsea are? I think they're they're pretty popular. They're, they're what like what are we talking like? Three, four hundred million supporters around the world. Mm, More? No chance. No. No way. Okay, eight billion people in the world. Yeah. All right. So half of them might not be interested in football. Let's say maybe two thirds are interested in football. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So sure. Yeah. Right. So we'll say two. So it's rough maths. You know, uh, five and a half billion people in the world are interested in football. Okay. Um. I would say that uh, of that, your top clubs would be Barcelona, and not in any particular order, but Barcelona, Real Madrid uh, in, in there. And Manchester United, surely. Manchester United, Liverpool, right? Bayern Munich? Nah, I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't think I don't think any other side on the continent really? can hold a candle to Real Madrid, Barcelona, or some English teams. I think Bayern and Paris Saint-Germain would be, be close. Mm, nah. Mm. For, for, for one simple reason, I think it is it is a language barrier. Yeah, yeah. Look, but look, you, you, yeah, possibly, possibly, right? Uh, any of this is hearsay, of course. It's all supposition, right? We're just yeah. talking out of our backsides here, but <laughs> that doesn't make for anything different. <laughs> no, but it, it's it is. Um, it would be right to say that the top four clubs would be in no particular order: Real Madrid, Barcelona, Liverpool. And Manchester United, as far as follow following is concerned, maybe Manchester City now, maybe right because of the Guardiola factor and people love the tiki taka stuff, and you know they and there are some there are some disciples of Pep Guardiola. Right? I would probably put Arsenal on, you know in what? the order. Hang on, no, you know, but well, you know what? With the Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal, perhaps right. Juventus, I'd have them higher up than City. Yeah, Juventus is a Juventus are uh, a brand in its own. Right. Forget the fact that they've, uh, you know, been docked 15 points and all that kind of stuff. Right. Juventus football heritage. Right. <laughs> That's Portuguese, not Italian. <laughs> no. Well, hey, but he's, he happens to be in Italy and it's a great saying. But let's not forget also the Milan clubs, their football heritage as well. So. Honestly, I think Serie A is in a weak spot at the moment. Yeah, okay, but you're thinking about in the moment. We're talking about actual brand recognition right now. Yeah, Not and right in the now, moment, I mean like the last five to, five to ten years. Yeah, but AC Milan, Inter like, Milan. 
go back to the 90s, then I, I, I would agree with you. Uh, yeah, I understand that because I was around in the 90s. You were born in the 90s, if that. <laughs> right? I was, yes. Okay. So, um, so AC Milan and Juventus and Inter Milan and Napoli for that matter, but not, not as big as Juventus, AC Milan and Inter Milan. They were huge as far as their brand recognition and they would have following like you would not believe right now as well. Right, we just don't see them because it's the you know they're, they're not up there, right? I think they're all bigger than Chelsea. It's a decent that, argument. They are yeah. all bigger than Chelsea. I Chelsea think before big, Abramovich, I, Chelsea before Abramovich, yeah, Abramovich yeah. bought them, mate. Do yourself a favour and go have a look Everton. at you, go have a look at YouTube, right, and see what Stamford Bridge used to look like. Mm. Yeah, right? yeah, it used to be a yeah, greyhound absolutely. track around it. It was, a, it was, a, you know, it was in a posh part. Of, it's in a posh part of London. But it was the the stadium was rubbish. Absolutely. The thing is, I think the way the Premier League is and how far it's come in the last ten years, I think you could put all of the big six in that top bracket now. Don't They're tell me that. Don't, don't tell me that Spurs are a big club. Spurs are the only one where that might fall fall down. Okay. Spurs are the weak link out of the top six, but generally speaking, for at least five of them. I think they're on level pegging, if not higher than West a lot of the more, clubs on the continent. West Ham have more following than, than Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. West Ham have more followers. You're just, you're just rolling up your Spurs, mate, aren't you? No. Nah. West Ham <laughs> have more followers than Tottenham Hotspur. If West, if West Ham had made the Europa League final last year, you would have seen the West Ham fans come out of the woodwork. There are a lot of West Ham supporters. It, it would, it would, you know, It's surprising how many there are. In the English-speaking world. Well, let's see. I've just uh, pulled up Twitter, and I know mm. Twitter followers are not a scientific measure, no. but they're a pretty good indicator. Yep. West Ham, two and a half million followers. Mm. Tottenham, eight and a half million. More than three times. Maybe the West Ham fans are dying off. I don't know what to tell you, right? <laughs> but look, they're, they're too busy blowing bubbles, yes. That's right. But the West Ham fans, <laughs> there are a lot of West Ham supporters. I think they're a bigger club than the Spurs, as far as history is concerned as well. Because they, because of the nineteen sixty six uh, England component as well, the history. Since, since when can a club side win the World Cup, Laz? They can't, right? But <laughs> well, West Ham say they did. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> like you said, they're forever blowing bubbles. <laughs> but that's you know, Chelsea are in the conversation, but they're not the they're not they're not the biggest club, and for people to contend that. When you look at it, that's a great argument, though. Is Chelsea bigger than the MLS? Well, I'd say no. But you are comparing an apple with an orange here. Of course, of course, of course. Right. Um, Because the measure would be, is the EPL bigger than the MLS? Well, yes, it is. That's no debate whatsoever. Okay. Is the Bundesliga bigger than the MLS? Again, right? It's a better league. Yes. Is it a bigger league? I I think... Yeah, okay. It's a lot closer. It's a lot closer. I'll, uh, I'll tend to say Bundesliga, but it's a lot closer. Yeah, so would I, right? Because of the fact that how many supporters and like there would mm. be different metrics that you go into it. Now, is there is Serie A a bigger league than the MLS? I now, think so. What measurement are we talking about? Are we talking about match quality or are we talking about viewership and TV ratings and patrons in the stadium and budget and, and, and? I, when you talk about bigger, 
bigger for mine, it is all those factors that you mentioned. It's not mm. necessarily what's on the pitch. Yes, on the pitch is a part of it, but it's only a small part of best. Mm. Mm. And things like TV ratings, merchandise income, yep. sponsorships, attendances, they're more indicative of a league size. Now, is the Campeonato in Brazil, right, bigger than the MLS? Because Brazil is a different kettle of fish altogether. Mm. Because not only do you have the national championships in Brazil, but you've also got the state championships in Brazil, <laughs> right? So it's a it, it's a different beast, right? So I like how this one question that you asked is Chelsea bigger than the MLS. <laughs> It's just taking us to Brazil. That wasn't even the question, by the way. It wasn't well, the question, is Chelsea that's, bigger that's, than the MLS? <laughs> that's that's how I that's how I took it. The question was, is Chelsea better value for money? Oh, okay. Yes. But well, do you that's think by the by. I think Chelsea is better value for money. Really? If you ha- if you were Elon Musk and you had money to spend, ignoring the fact that Chelsea just got sold. Yeah. They were both on the market. You could invest two and a half billion dollars, pounds, whatever currency, into mm. Chelsea or mm. into MLS. What, which one would be easier for you to manage? MLS is a minefield. Have you ever played mm. an MLS save on FM? It's a bloody nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Rules and regulations. There's MLS clubs that have no idea what's going on. Okay. So looking at designated players and yeah. salary cap exemptions. So so the question is it's a different it's a different beast altogether, right? It is. So it is, it is. Let's and let's not forget that you're saying that is a better value for money. Well, you're talking about the broadcast rights, right? Whilst you're only talking like when it comes to MLS and you're talking about a football club, right? And what comes with that football club um, as far as ownership is concerned, right? Now, hey, it's, uh, you know, it, they're two totally different things. Broadcast rights are completely, you know, a different kettle of fish altogether. Now, how we want the commercialization of those broadcast rights are and what the return is on those broadcast rights for the money out- outlaid is is purely a business decision based on some metrics, obviously, right? Versus football clubs, where I can tell you, there, you know, there are a lot of people that buy football clubs uh, and have an emotional attachment to them, and then end up in a lot of a mess. Yes, yes, indeed. No shortage of bad stories there surrounding people who uh, uh, who want to buy a football club, and then it all goes a bit pear shaped. But it's interesting those sort of returns for Apple, because you got things like just the obvious one that people have to buy Apple TV to watch MLS. But then you've got, once people buy Apple TV, they're more inclined, I think, to stay in the Apple ecosystem. They might buy a Mac, they might buy an iPhone, they might buy something else. Yeah. And then there's more returns off the back of that, which is slightly immeasurable. You're getting a bit more vague in terms of how conducive is it you buy an Apple TV subscription to watch MLS, how likely are you to buy an iPhone down the track? But there is that real value there for Apple. And look, it's a big gamble for them because... A 10-year deal in any scenario, just ask Todd Bolu, a 10-year deal is a, a big gamble. Mm. But it might pay off. And I hope it does pay off because it'd be a great story for the MLS to become a real powerhouse around the world. Well, they've chosen a interesting brand to partner with. You know, the, like, who else would they go with? ESPN, Fox. Mm. Okay. But Apple is... It's different because obviously they've got the devices, they've got your Apple TV units. You know, it it can be viewed independently of everything else. Yeah, it's fascinating to see what is going to happen in that space. And do we think the MLS demographics skew younger, like the A League? I would suggest so. So that's even better then. Yeah, I'm just curious to see what kind of return they're anticipating on it on that investment because mm. it is an investment. 
it's a big investment. <laughs> a big investment. <laughs> and, yes, they done, and, and, and they've only done something similar with Major League Baseball. And I think mm. that's only Friday nights or maybe that's two nights of, ba- of baseball. So they're guaranteed a Friday night and another night. Two nights of baseball is more than enough for anyone, I think. <laughs> you know, but what provides more value? Manchester United up for sale or Liverpool for sale, which we'll get to in a minute. Or, you know, Real Madrid can't be sold. Barcelona can't be sold. Although it's hard to say. I don't know about Barcelona and their financing issues. It seems like Spotify I, I, got a book card in there. <laughs> I think I think if and somebody we love walked Spotify. in, with, we love Spotify. Yes, yes, we do love Spotify. Um, if somebody walked in with a briefcase of Barcelona, they'd be interested. Mm, mm, I think so. Don't matter so. who it is. Don't matter who it is. Mm. But not CBC. No, no. You should elaborate that on that though. Or, or you know, or maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, CBC Capital Avia Tebas wants to make La Liga more competitive with the Premier League, so he wants to bring in a whole host of money to boost up. The level on the pitch to try and generate more revenue and more supporters around the world and try and reduce the gap. But Barcelona, Real Madrid, and um, who's the third club? Is that Athletic? I think it is. They're not having it. That's correct. They're not having it. They'd rather sell their investments to uh, other firms instead. Well, look look at Real Madrid. Is there any need for them to to actually be a part of that deal? No, there isn't. There absolutely is no reason. None whatsoever. So... Yeah, and Barcelona, yeah, obviously want to try and keep a tight rein on their finances and ensure that they're not missing out on any potential revenue because they would have to forfeit some of that revenue if they were to go down that path. So, in addition to the other ones that they've already sold off, well, correct. All the all these levers they keep pulling. Mm. Yeah, and and they end up with Lewandowski. <laughs> Lewandowski. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. Mm. And yeah, Athletic Club don't need the money either. So that's mm. why they're at loggerheads. Although I noticed that they're uh, they've dropped their sponsor, Adelaide, or I, I think that's more so the case. Actually, I think that they have decided to terminate the relationship with Wellfin. Oh wow! Okay. So there you go. So that's something that caught my eye because they've got a new sponsorship already for the stadium. It's no longer the Wanda Metropolitano. Correct. So times have changed, and they're at Adelaide. So and, yeah, because they're a very unique club. Well, they are Adelaide. And okay. a lot of that stems from Simeone, but uh, very interesting. Look, I don't think if you're a brand, you're going to be put off by the style of football, but some might. Some might. I am. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> so, yeah, Wellfin, their shirt sponsorship is to end early. I couldn't even tell you what Wellfin is, to be honest. Cryptocurrency exchange. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. There's a lot of those floating around. Those types of sponsorships that are a little bit shady, and if you try and poke any poke any bears and poke any into any holes, then you come up with a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, so that'd be good to chat with Kira Maguire about, by the way. It would be. It would be just quietly crypto crypto sponsors. Yes, it would be. Perhaps we can do an episode on that one day. We'll see how we go. But any indication on a new sponsor for Adleti? No, at this stage. Well, they no. haven't announced it yet. No, no they haven't okay. announced it yet. They haven't announced it yet. So. Yeah. How do we get on to CBC? Because of La Liga and uh, and the revenue streams that uh, we we're talking about. <laughs> this is still this is the root of all this conversation is Chelsea versus MLS, isn't it? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> We've uh, got a yes. here, and it's too. Uh, it's, yes. We've gone down a rabbit hole, and it's too late, too far to come back. <laughs> but with regard to Liverpool, though, right? Another thing that caught my eye. 
No, they're not worth as much as Manchester United. Oh, stop we. Um, well, they're not. They're not. But they're Liverpool, not. Liverpool, uh, the Fenway Sports Group are saying that uh, the whole club is not for sale. Mm. Do you so, think that is that an is that a negotiation negotiating tactic? Is that a uh, a thing that they've said because there's not really too much interest? Yeah. So they're ruling out a, a full franchise sale. But they are having conversations with potential investors to sell a minority stake in the club. Full franchise yeah. sale. Oh, oh, that word. Yeah, but you'd like that at Manchester United, though, wouldn't you? I wouldn't say no, but with with an asterisk as well. What's the asterisk? I'd rather current owners than the, and a, a potential Qatari bid. Mm, okay, interesting, yep. If, if I'm ranking the options, it's Jim Radcliffe, number one. Sure. Then the Glazers hang around. Mm-hmm. Then a Qatari takeover, mm-hmm. and then this weird obscure deal with Elliot Capital that there's not too many details about as number four. So the supporters trust can't afford to buy it. Oh, absolutely not. I put Manchester United with the biggest club in the world. Surely everyone can put in a pound. That's the problem. Then you got a billion people trying to make decisions. But I'm sure the supporters trust can re- represent the <laughs> those five and a half billion people that you think that you've got. Would be great, you know. <laughs> No one said five and a half billion. <laughs> well, you think you do. <laughs> oh, have you, you ever you, seen a horse designed Manchester by a committee? Manchester United think that uh, they're the biggest club in the world. No, they're in the top three. Yeah, top four. <laughs> League Cup champions of the world, I tell you. Le- yeah, yeah. Not club world champions, though. <laughs> Not club world champions. <laughs> oh, so you're deferring as a Real Madrid supporter this week, are you? Black and white's been put away in the closet. Regrettably, yes. No, no, no. It'll, it'll make an appearance <laughs> later on the week. It's just, it's just fresh and it hurts. <laughs> they uh, played, shall we talk about the game a little bit? Well, look, they played well. I think that the issue was um, Newcastle United to score, and Newcastle United needed to score first. They did. They really did. Yeah, and and, and that's, you know, and that's the bottom line. The chance that Sir Maximin had, where he tore Dallow inside out. Yeah, and saved it. That that was the one. That he's was the a chance. Frustrating player. I love him, but he's a frustrating player. He was a nightmare on the weekend. Yeah, I don't know how you defend him when he's in that sort of mood. Imagine if he actually instead, you know, imagine if he actually looked up and played a pass. Mm, true. He, true. You know, that's tearing. That's where you tear your hair out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I got none left. No, but <laughs> it's you know, yeah, they're the kind of things that um that frustrate me with regard to say Maxman. Great player on his day. Fantastic. I can see why he's been left out. But in fact, I actually think that's done him well. Because mm. you know? under Bruce, he had the entire pressure of the mm. entire attacking unit. It was him and him alone. But let's be honest, the rest of the team were pretty uninspired. Yeah. Yeah. So that is yeah. true. So by design or by by coincidence, mm. it was down to him to do everything. Mm. And do you like, think perhaps he loses his place to Anthony Gordon in the coming weeks or months? Not yet. Look, I mean, look at the and and I think the player that best turns around or that best reflects the turnaround at Newcastle is John Linton. Improved, yeah, and Almiron for that matter. Right, they've both improved immeasurably. Right, they've both gained in confidence, um, and they're both re- really well appreciated by the supporters. Yeah, absolutely. Even if they're not quite at the same level they were. In the first half of the season, they overperformed in the first half, but still, they're great players and they have come on leaps and bounds since yeah. Eddie Howe's come in. Effort and application can't be questioned, and the ter- and the fact that Eddie Howe has actually turned Joel Linton into a midfielder is incredible. 
I think Ten Hag's doing the same thing with Weghorst. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time before he gets it right. <laughs> He's dropping but deeper yeah. and deeper. Yeah, but um, yes. So should we move on to our teams in Vietnam and Colombia, respectively? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Where shall we start? Do you want to head north or do you want to head east? Well, we can head east if you like. Let's let's head uh, east, shall we? Is it east or west? It's oh. probably it's east, really. If we were it, flying, yeah. we, we'd be flying east. Yeah, you're not going to go the other way around, are you? No. Uh, if we were flying um, Lan Chile or whatever it's called these days, or Latam, we'd be uh, flying into Santiago with Latam, and uh, we'd be heading east. Because there's still a direct flight from Sydney to Santiago, isn't there? Yes, there is with Latam. Mm. Not that they're sponsors, but hey, they're welcome to join on join on board if they want. <laughs> they certainly are. And uh, how did your boys go this weekend, Deportivo Cali? Deportivo Cali got the chocolates away to the Portes Tolima. Oh, very good. Yes. Shooting up the table with that one. Shooting up the table into 10th. So mid-table. Fantastic. But I noticed that your boys are on top. We certainly are. We picked up another win. 1-0 against Envigado. And a bit of a a hard-earned three points as well because they were down to 10 men after just 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. And still managed to round out winners of the match. So they stay top of the league. They do indeed. Uh, Chico are in third place and have two games in hand. Mm. So that's uh, the team to watch, the team to look out for. So I've got uh, Deportivo Cali away to Milonarios on this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that would be Sunday our time. And Interesting game, that. Yes, well, yeah, Milonarios are just ahead of them on goal difference, actually, I think. Or goal scored, rather. So... Let's see what happens there. And I see that your boys, America de Cali at home. It's a junior. Yes. And uh, they'd be favourites going into that one. Oh. And see if they can indeed get the job done and stay first, stay top of the table. Shall so we head to yeah. Vietnam? Indeed. Indeed. Let's head to Vietnam. And Ho Chi Minh City got the chocolates again. Oh, hang on. No. Sorry. My bad. Are they on a break? On a bit of, they are, they, it looks like they're on a break. Okay, we're going to have to cut all that out. So, <laughs> so it looks like that uh, Vietnam are on a break till um, April. Yeah. There must be an international uh, tournament going on. That's a long break. I'll tell you what, four games, Start. four league matches into the season and a couple of cup games. It's going on, Vietnam. And then we're all, we all disappear again for a long time as well, for yeah. six weeks. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, Fair enough. I hate, I hate that. Get everyone excited about a brand new season. Correct. A month of football, and then you disappear for longer. Okay, so we'll cut all that out. We'll just go with Vietnam. Well, Vietnam are on break for at least six weeks now. So <laughs> there we go. There you so have uh, look forward to the return of the V League, but uh, have to wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything else that caught your eye, Nathan? Um, interesting. FIFA awarded uh, the best their their version of the Ballon d'Or and their own individual awards in the in the last 24, 48 hours, and no surprises. The little magician, Messi won the yeah. best player in the world award. Yeah. And, uh, and it's amazing. Alexia Patias won the women's player of the, the uh, women's player of the year or best, whatever they call it. It's amazing yeah. on the men's side that mm. I reckon it's that one save at the end of extra time in the mm. World Cup final. Colomawani and Emmy Martinez. If Colomawani scores and Bappe wins best mm. player in the world mm. because it was saved, Messi won it. It does show how stupid these individual awards really are. Mm. And Gianni gets his his uh, moment in the sun again. El Presidente. <laughs> uh, he did say it was the best final ever. There you go. 
But he would say that, wouldn't he? Yes. So you've mentioned Lionel Messi and Alexia Pateas. Mm-hmm. Alexia Pateas, I should say. Um, and we said that Bill Presidente got his moment, which is great. Happy for him. Well done, Johnny. Glad you feel whatever you're feeling today. <laughs> and he'll never leave that one down. I'm sorry. Uh, I know you're <laughs> laughing there. <laughs> it's too funny. It's too funny. I'm laughing with you. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. So uh, FIFA, eleven billion dollar cycle. They think they've accepted their own financial report, which is great. Seven point six billion dollars from the Qatar World Cup. Thank you very much. Off we go. Mm-hmm. And they're happily stating that they are highlighting a record-breaking revenue in football. World Cup, World Cup, a raging success. There you go. So and, during the 2019, uh, oh sorry, yes, during the 2019-2022 cycle, 7.6 billion dollars generated as far as the revenue is concerned, and they're expecting that it will uh, hit 11 billion during the 23 to 26 period. 7.6 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Not bad for a not-for-profit. And not bad at all. That, that's a that's a massive reserve. And let's hope that the uh, money's invested where it should be. Um, Families of American workers. Perhaps, perhaps. Now, I note with interest that um, that the Club World Cup for 2023 has been awarded to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> of course it has. Of course it has. Is this a precursor for 2030? Funny you should mention that. Funny you should I'm sure they're that. not linked at all. Well, hmm. no. No, I'm sure they're not linked at all. Because the Saudis have decided to underwrite or have stated their their expression to underwrite uh, the financial um, outlay that's required by both the Greece and Egypt should the World Cup be awarded to that joint bid. So now there's no downside for both Greece and Egypt. Correct. Um, I don't think they really need a more of a uh, carrot to go and join this bid. They're already on board. Well, they're already on board. Yeah. But this little extra bit tidbit of information is uh, an indicator as perhaps why. And the final's going to be played in Riyadh, obviously. Right. So obviously, if it if that uh, does get awarded, so I'm sure the semi-finals will be there in, there in there as well. Of course. Don't know why they'd be anywhere else. One hundred percent. And then Greece and Egypt will be stuck with the uh, third place playoff, perhaps, or the uh, some of the early group games that we saw. That's what you get. The, the uninspiring ones. That's what you'd get with a forty-eight team competition. It's a shocking bid. Look, I, I being of Greek uh, background, I'm not comfortable with it. Um, not because of of uh, anything to do against Greece at all. It's just that on two fronts. One, it's the it's too close to Qatar having a World Cup. I think in 2030 needs to go where they haven't gone for a while or they haven't been before. In fact, we should be hosting the 2030 World Cup. Yeah. Australia I mean, should be hosting it, right? Australia and New Zealand, if you're going to do a trans confederation confederation World Cup. For me, there's only one option for 2030. Yeah, it has is. to be this South American bid. Yeah, see. It but, has to be. It's, it's perfect, though, no, because. Yeah, I understand that. And yes. 100 years of the World Cup. Yeah. 1930 yeah. in Argentina and Uruguay. I get it. No, Let's go no. back there for the 100th anniversary. It just make, it makes too much sense for FIFA. I understand. I, I appreciate the sentiment, but. Um, let's have a look at it and go, okay, well, CONCACAF have hosted the World Cup, or they will be hosting the next World Cup. Where to next, right? Asia's just hosted it, and technically, obviously, Australia's part of Asia, right? Part of the Asian Confederation, but I'd be more inclined to go that way 
rather than, you know, um, rather than Europe, Africa, and Asia again. Although, look, uh, the more I think about it, the more I see this Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Greece bid uh, getting up. Mm. I'm sorry to say, I don't see Spain, Portugal, and Ukraine actually getting it. If it was Spain, Portugal, and Morocco, I'd be on board. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. The, including that's, Ukraine in the bid, it's purely just the way to garner more votes. And that's that's packing. the bid that makes sense. Spain, Portugal, America. Make that bid happen. Bit. Well, it won't happen. It it should though. Yeah, but it won't. That that's the bid to make if you're in that part of the world, and yeah, it'll be a great World Cup. 100%. But uh, but no, but no. You know, so like, this isn't disparaging Ukraine whatsoever. It just doesn't make doesn't make any sense. Why not a British Isles? Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. You know, England, Scotland, and. Ireland and Northern Ireland. Uh, don't forget Wales. And Wales. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to our Welsh fans. They're pretty forgettable, to be fair. Oh, um, Ooh, but... that's harsh. I can't go look <laughs> I mean, at that. You're the one who forgot them. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't mean to. You're the one who's just outrightly, you know, just uh, <laughs> said, hey, they're forgettable. That's I was just... on your side for that. <laughs> no, that's just, hey, listen, it's late. I've had a long day. Right. These slip ups can happen, but I'm not just downright mean. You gave me a layup. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You didn't have to tip it in there. Oh, uh, it was begging to be put away. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> there you go. Have we hit the back peg? I think we have hit the back peg. Awesome. It's been a long show. Has been. Thank you to everyone who's uh, tuned into this episode. Uh, thank you to all the back peggers out there who have listened to Dead. this edition of the podcast. And we appreciate all your feedback, all your listens as well. And uh, we'll be back with you soon. Thank you, Les, for joining me. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, everyone. Take care, all.